Steve, you know what I've been uh, I've been realizing we need to add to our show. Tell me, Justin. I think we need to add more bits. Like we got to start off each episode with a good bit, something to hook the listeners in. You know, I was actually <laughs> I was actually just saying this off camera, and then we stopped and re-recorded now. But uh, yeah, dude. So I actually the last couple weeks have started this new job, working with with a, a family friend who. Um, has a gardening company and so I've been working with him and it's been really hectic hours and long hours out in the sun but it's been so much fun and one of my favorite parts about it is that like I just throw on my headphones and I spend nine to ten hours every day just listening to podcasts <laughs> and it's really given me some good ideas as to ways that we could do this better of course that being said I think we're doing pretty amazing and I know that everyone out there agrees with us but <laughs> Yeah, like, there's so much out there, and it's actually been really cool getting to listen. Like, there was a day last week, Thursday, when we had, like, an 11-hour workday. I got in at 8, and I didn't get out until a little after 6, 6.30, so a long day. And uh, I literally listened to, literally listened to nine full podcast episodes on 1.2 speed. We have our big game of Twilight Imperium coming up a week from uh, this Saturday, and... I have been listening like crazy <laughs> to as many TI uh, podcasts as I've been able to. So soaking in all that info and getting ready to beat everybody in with it. So definitely going to come in last, but hey, that's right. But uh, yeah, most shows have some sort of a bit in the front. So maybe we'll be different. Maybe we won't. Maybe we'll add it. I don't know. Let us know if anyone out there is listening. That was a very long opening bit, but... <laughs> Not even a bit, just <laughs> rambling. Definitely rambling, but that's fine. That was an interesting story, and I'm sure yeah. all of our listeners will be glad to have heard it from you today. Hey. <laughs> Anyways, uh, I don't have an interesting story like that to tell, so maybe we'll, we'll get me to do one next time. But we're here to talk about episodes three and four of What If. We know it's a little late, but too bad. Episode three, and uh, well... Before I even get into each episode, Justin, I think we have to make some quick amendments to our prior episode where we yeah. said that this show was going to be geared more towards kids because of its animated nature. And that has just been proven so wrong with these last couple episodes. I remember you texting me literally like either the same night or the day after episode three came out and you were like, well, we uh, uploaded that one day too early because... <laughs> Uh, we said it was a kid's show, and now immediately all of the Avengers are getting killed. And, uh, yeah, it's not a kid's show anymore. <laughs> Spoilers. Spoilers for the episode that happened two full weeks ago. Oh, man. Yeah, no, we uh, we spoke way too soon. At least I did. I think I was the one that made that statement initially, and uh, I was wrong. Yeah, you said it first, and I agree with you, and we were both wrong on this one. Episode 3 gets off to a way darker tone as... The what-if question for that week was, what if the Avengers initiative is dead on arrival, basically? The Avengers, before Nick Fury can even gather them in the first Avengers movie, all are taken out mysteriously. We follow Nick Fury as he tries to gather the team, but one by one, each of the members dies under mysterious circumstances. And it starts with Tony, and we see... It's seen with Black Widow and Nick Fury and Tony in the diner uh, or the donut shop. And they give him the shot to help cure his infection caused by the arc reactor in his chest. And instead of curing him like it does in the movie, they find him dead on the floor immediately. Which, you know, definitely goes against what we said about the show last week. Not many kids shows start with a dead Tony Stark in the first five minutes of the episode. I venture to say zero kids shows start with a dead Tony Stark in the first in the first couple episodes, the first shot of the episode. <laughs> I don't even know that many uh, kids shows that have Tony Stark in it. I guess some of the old Marvel animated shows, but <laughs> I don't know if he dies in the opening shot of any. <laughs> yeah, definitely none of those start with him just dying right off the rip. And that kind of sets the tone for the episode. We then see the other scenes of... Uh, Hawkeye shooting Thor as he tries to lift the hammer and then Hawkeye in custody for killing Thor is 
also killed himself. We then follow Black Widow to secret mission to go find the source of these murders. She takes the syringe that she had given Tony for the cure for his arc reactor infection. And she takes it to uh, Betty Ross from Incredible Hulk and gets her to analyze it. And she actually runs into Bruce Banner there. Unfortunately, voiced by Mark Ruffalo, I thought this would have been a great opportunity for them to bring back Ed Norton. And in the animated What If show, would have been a perfect opportunity for it, in my opinion. I don't know if you thought that was a missed chance there, Justin, but it was really weird to see Ruffalo's voice in basically Ed Norton's Hulk. I mean, I didn't think it was expected for it to be Ed Norton. For everyone who somehow is out of the loop or doesn't remember from this long ago, uh, Ed Norton was the guy that played Bruce Banner in The Incredible Hulk, which was the second MCU movie that's officially in the MCU. So way back when, before he was recast in The Avengers, as, uh, excuse me, before Mark Ruffalo was recast as Hulk in The Avengers. So, um, you know, most people kind of forget about that movie, and there have been a couple callbacks to it and a couple characters that have come up in, you know, in the other movies and shows and stuff. But, uh, yeah, I mean, this was an opportunity. I wasn't totally surprised by it. Some of the main characters haven't even been voiced by their main voice actors anyway. So, you know, it would have been cool Easter egg, but not the end of the world. It was cool, though, seeing uh, seeing Betty Ross again, even though she wasn't really the most interesting person in The Incredible Hulk. It was cool just acknowledging that she still exists in the MCU because they kind of just forgot about her and never mentioned her again past the Incredible Hulk, which doesn't seem to make a whole lot of sense because her and Bruce Banner would still have had a history. So yeah, it was cool getting to see that a bit more continuity. And uh, what happened next was horrifying because uh, they're about to get attacked by uh, the US government, just like what happens in the Incredible Hulk and Hulk goes Hulk mode, which is cool because it's the first time we've actually seen him Hulk out, even though it's animated. It's the first time we've seen him Hulk out in just like a really long time, maybe even since like the beginning of Infinity War, but for real since like Ultron. And um, like he just starts getting bigger and bigger and bigger in the middle of this fight and bigger and bigger in a way that's like super gross. <laughs> and he just straight up pops like a balloon. And I was like, Man, that was super gross. It was animated and, you know, classic MCU, there's no blood or anything, but just like green goop goes everywhere. And, uh, you know, a lot of people who are comics fans would argue that he can still regenerate from that. You know, he, all, all Hulk needs is a drop of blood and he can heal back from it. But that is not what we've seen so far in the MCU. And, uh, yeah, he's just straight up dead. And that was definitely the most gruesome of the deaths so far in the episode, which, um, yeah, it took me a bit by surprise. I mean, you, you got the gist that they were killing off the Avengers one by one, so you kind of knew it was going to come, just uh, not in such a graphic way, even given that it's bloodless and, and animated. So, um, yeah, rest in peace. <laughs> yeah, that scene was super gross. I did not expect in my entire life to see Hulk pop, like like you said, like a big old green water balloon. It mm. was really disturbing. And once again, we were very wrong. So this show, not for kids. Any of you listen to this and then had your kids watch this, not our fault. But maybe you, you got to watch, <laughs> you know, yeah, you got to just be better parents. Don't take our word for it. We are not reliable sources of information. Don't take our parenting opinion on anything. But yeah, Black Widow escapes there and we see her later trying to hack into a shield database to find out more information on potentially what is going on and who's behind these murders. And she finds some information, and right as she's about to reveal this information to us, the audience, she gets killed also. But not before she leaves Fury a voicemail saying, it's all hope. It's all about hope. And Fury, meanwhile, in the background, has been dealing with the arrival of Loki and other Asgardians who have come to avenge Thor. Loki, without Thor's shadow to live in any longer, seems like he's got a little bit different personality. He doesn't quite have the chip on his shoulder but he's still an arrogant person who believes that he's worthy of ruling over inferior subjects such as humans so he comes in with a conqueror's attitude but not really like i don't know really how to describe it but he really didn't give me the same vibe as even the loki from the tv show that we just watched as well i don't know if you got that similar vibe off him as well but he definitely didn't seem like quite the same in terms of his personality 
Yeah, I mean, they just make Loki out to be whatever the heck they want him to every time he shows up. He has a different personality basically every time. I mean, this is him from way back, even before the Avengers. This is him during the events of Thor 1, essentially. But, um, I mean, I, I think they've given up all attempts to make his character consistent. <laughs> uh, so, you know, <laughs> it is what it is. But it's cool to see him, like, sticking up for his, uh, his brother for Thor instead of constantly antagonizing him although obviously he's dead and this is probably him just taking advantage of a uh, of a misfortunate or unfortunate opportunity to um seize a bit of power with odin's authority so it was cool that he showed up it seemed kind of out of place like it seemed like the whole loki side arc could have just not happened and it wouldn't have changed the episode a whole lot like i guess they had to give nick fury something to do but again if you took that part out you probably probably wouldn't have changed the episode a whole lot so i'm not seemed extraneous a little bit i don't know the ending might disagree with you there but fury basically met loki when he arrived on earth and loki was like hey, listen we're here for the people that killed my brother we're about to kill you all and fury's like hold on we're all trying to find the guy who did this let's work together so they kind of do fury gets widow's voicemail kind of is formulating something in his head as to a plan after her intel we don't really know what it is uh he goes to make a deal with loki and then we then see him in a graveyard looking at the tombstone of hope van dyne and this is sort of when the uh actual what if question for this episode is revealed and it's not what if the avengers all got killed but really it's what if hope van dyne instead of joining pym industries to work there joined shield as an agent instead and the answer may surprise you. Hope Van Dyne dies in the field. And the re compounding loss of his daughter right after losing his wife drives Hank Pym insane. And he starts taking his years of sadness and anger and frustration out on the people he thinks are responsible, which in this case would be S.H.I.E.L.D. itself. Taking out their agents and assets and trying to bring them down because he blames them for the death of his wife and now daughter in this timeline and so we see kind of a flashback of all the deaths like he was inside the tip of the syringe that they gave tony he flicked hawkeye's arrow causing him to shoot thor he flew inside hawkeye's like brain when he was in the cell that was really creepy and then for hulk he like flew into banner before he turned and then went inside hulk's heart and enlarged it which was super gross Definitely, I did not need to see that in close-up slow motion. But really well done, I think, on this episode. Trying to keep the whodunit a secret. And I was genuinely surprised in the end. I did not think until the, the end, when I saw the gravestone, that it would be Hank Pym behind it all. But obviously, it all made sense after they showed the flashbacks and how it could have happened. They also got Michael Douglas back for this voice acting you mentioned some characters that are not voiced by their actors but fortunately for this show a lot of the characters are michael douglas puts in a, i think a great performance as like a crazed hank pym just unhinged on fury as he stands there and just like letting loose all his qualms that he has with shield then is like listen i'm now i gotta kill you fury like the head of shield fury just like is beating the crap out of hank pym which was ridiculous to me at first like he flies right at him tiny and Fury just bats him away as if he were like a regular fly. This happens like a couple times. I was like, what is going on? And then Fury did like a triple backflip over <laughs> Hank Pym like 10 feet in the air. And I was like, oh, okay, I get it. It's turned out to be Loki the whole time, disguising himself as Nick Fury. He multiplies himself with his illusion trickery. And he's able to overpower Hank Pym. And they take him away and he's like raving lunatic at the end. I thought that was just incredibly well done. Like the twist, the reveal, and the defeat of the villain was really good in my opinion and executed very solidly. Talk a lot about how Marvel tries to go to different genres um, with some of their movies. And Ant-Man like, is a heist movie to some degree, but also still follows that same Marvel formula pretty strongly. And I thought this was one of the first real instances where they get further into like a different genre and away from their own formula. This seemed very much like a whodunit from the very start, and they delivered on the premise and execution of that 
I really enjoyed it through and through. This is a great episode. Yeah, that part at the end there was what you had said when you said the ending would disagree with me about Loki not being super relevant. Loki is the one that ends up helping them catch uh, Hank by, you know, doing his mystic magic and looking like Nick Fury and then multiplying himself and stuff. So, I mean, I guess that that's valid because Nick Fury wouldn't have been able to get Pym by himself. But again, there could have been a different way to do it. But regardless, it was very cool seeing that. I'm glad that it, that made sense as opposed to Nick Fury just suddenly being able to take out Hank Pym because clearly that would have not been the case. And uh, yeah, I agree with you. I think I saw this coming a little bit more, which is good because uh, in a scenario like this where it's, you know, a 30 minute episode and a whodunit, there could be a very real temptation to just have a total twist out of nowhere with no real foreshadowing or anything where they just, you know, say, oh, and it was this person the whole time and then explain all through flashbacks, which is something that kind of happens in Disney movies and things like that. It was Agatha all along. Like Agatha all along or Hans in frozen or you know things like that where it's like there's no real indication of anything and then suddenly they're like ah we tricked you because you had no reason to believe this and now we're going to be smart you know that was not the case here well i don't know if agatha is necessarily well you're the one that said agatha i was not going that way hints about agatha you were the one that said that (laughs) even still agatha well i just wanted to say it because it went along with you said it was me all along, and I was just thinking it was Agatha all along as, as soon as you said that. But I definitely not put her and Hans in the same boat. No, well, I was not going to either, but regardless, we're on the same page now. Just as an example, you know, that's something that happens somewhat regularly in Hollywood, and I think they did a much better job of it. Obviously, it's only a half hour, so they couldn't, like, tease it really, really well because the episode had to kind of move on quickly, which, you know, is just part of what they're doing for what if so not ideal but it is what it is like you could tell okay clearly it's either someone invisible or someone really tiny or someone that has like mind control something like that because you never see who is doing the things and it's different ways that the person's dying every time so it's not like there's just someone with a sniper up on a roof that hits them every time right there was hints and there was clues and it was a pretty good odds that it was going to be somebody that we already knew given the what-if scenario of one thing changing. So the thing that for me that did it was uh, when Black Widow turns around and is getting beat up by nothing, and it's an actual fight scene rather than just like an instant death. Then I was like, oh, it's probably like Ant-Man or somebody. And then as soon as she said it's all about hope, I was like, hope immediately, hope and dying, boom. It all made sense, and it was still a good twist that it was Hank Pym, and they explained why afterwards. And so I think that was definitely handled about as well as could have been given the fact that it was only a 30 minute episode and the first, you know, 12 or so minutes were just spent on the deaths of these other Avengers. So I agree. I think it was great. I think it was well executed and it was a really good episode for me. That was at the point of watching episode three. It was far ahead uh, in terms of quality of the first two. And I would say that it was my favorite episode so far, but episode four happened and, uh, yeah, we can talk about that, but if we have any more thoughts on, on episode three, I guess we should get those out before moving on. Did you have anything else you wanted to add? or? Yeah, I'll just add that episode three definitely did more of what I wanted from this show. It took it in a darker direction, which I think now having seen these last two episodes is definitely something that they can handle as well as I think a great direction for the show because they're obviously not going to go somewhere this dark with like a big motion picture production. Like, it's just not going to happen with one of the main cinematic entries. Maybe I'll be proven wrong on that. Who knows? But up until this point, they haven't done anything near this dark. And I love to see them going in a direction this way with a show like What If. It gives them so much freedom to just operate in whatever space they want and give some absolute weird and dark and gritty side to the MC that I think it's been lacking pretty much since it's began and not that there haven't been dark emotional moments in the mcu before but i think that what if has a real special opportunity to go to the whole other end of the spectrum and just explore the deep dark corners of the mcu's possibilities totally agree i like that they're able to do it again we had talked about this before the season started but just the fact that it is animated gives them a lot more creative flexibility because they can you know do crazy shots that might be really expensive with CG or might be really difficult for actors to pull off. And it's just significantly easier to do those things when you're animating. Um, Obviously, animating is not 
an easy thing to do, and I have a tremendous amount of respect for, you know, the animators, but it is less expensive than the massive CG. But Steve, I had a question for you before moving on to the next one. Although I guess maybe this, this question could still be asked after the next one. We have not seen any recurring characters yet in these what-ifs, which holds true in the next episode as well. So maybe it would be best to ask this afterwards, but just to have in your mind as we head into the next one, episode four, there have been no recurring characters. Captain Carter, you know, obviously is the one that went forward in time after the first one instead of being Steve, and she's also not there and neither is Steve in the third episode, even though it's all of the initial Avengers, he doesn't show up at all. And, uh, yeah, it's just really interesting. Well, his shield shows up. They see his mm. shield in the ice, yeah. Um, but we don't see that it's Steve yes. Rogers. I was going to say, but we, we did miss a couple scenes before we move on fully from episode three. Yeah, we did miss a couple scenes, but that's not related to what I'm talking about here. So it made me think, like, is there a chance as we go forward with the last few episodes that these stories kind of weave together. Not necessarily that they're happening in the same universe, because I don't think that's the case, because I think there would be too much that's thrown off, but I think there's a potential that they're happening. Like, it's not multiple what-ifs of the same character, which obviously they want to give all of the characters, like, a time to shine and, you know, be more creative by going a bunch of different directions instead of just having the same person. But at the same time, it's like, especially in this one, not having Steve Rogers, like, his face... For me, it was a bit of a hint of like, huh, maybe, like, maybe there is a bit of continuity between the episodes. I don't think there is, but it made me think for a second, hmm, it would have made sense for him to show up in this, even though, of course, you know, the timeline of events is happening slightly before the first Avenger, but it would have made sense a little bit for him to pop up, given that all of the rest of the Avengers were in it. And since he was in the first episode and wasn't the person that um, was frozen in ice and traveled through time. It just was a little in my head a little bit, like, huh, is there some sort of continuity? Like, is all this what-if either happening in the same universe or going to come together at some point? And I still don't think so, but I think there's... I don't think it's totally ridiculous to imagine either. Which, that's the same thing in episode four. I mean, episode four is none of the same characters that are in the first three either. I don't know if it's just flexing all of the different characters and taking advantage of the expansive universe they have, or if... um you know, the last few episodes kind of builds to something together. Well, I think this episode and episode four definitely disagree with the continuity, at least between these episodes. I'm not saying it's impossible or even improbable that they'll connect at some point later in the season or in future seasons. But Tony's suit tech definitely would not have been the same after Howard Stark had invented a Iron Man suit back in World War II. So... I think that rules that out, as well as the ending of episode four definitely rules out that they're in happening in the same universe. That's a lot to say about that, but I do hope that the Watcher in some way connects them all in the end, or we find out that they're somehow related. I think that'd be really cool. Now, we're not quite done with episode three, because after him is defeated, Fury turns to Loki, and he's like, okay, so now what are you going to do? And Loki's like, you know what? I think I'm actually just going to stay and the very next scene is him just speaking to the entire world at the UN, having taken over the planet. So here we get another bittersweet ending, and similar to episode two, where, yeah, Thanos has stopped, but okay, now Ego is going to control the universe. We now, you know, have stopped Hank Pym from killing all our S.H.I.E.L.D. agents, but now Loki takes over Earth. So a little bit of good, a little bit of bad. I love how whenever there's like a taking over the earth thing, like they're at the UN, like the UN has no governing authority. I know there's a whole bunch of delegates there from all different countries, but like the UN doesn't do anything. Like <laughs> why the heck would Loki go it's there? Symbolic. I know it's symbolic, but it's, it, it cracks me up all the time. I don't know where else he would go to be honest, but it's just funny. And I guess it's in New York, so it's pretty close by, but yeah, every superhero movie has to take place in New York. Either way. But we also see uh, Captain Marvel show up just for a brief glimpse at the end because um, Nick Fury, while making the Avengers, apparently never thought, even though he had her in his back pocket the whole time, apparently never chose to call her in until something went even more wrong. So whatever. We see her pop in and uh, that was the best part was that she was only in it for about one line. <laughs> that was the best part of the episode. Uh, I hope Captain Marvel uh, warms on me. I'm, I'm leaving my mind open to it, but uh, 
it'll take some convincing but that's a story for a different time i have high hopes for the marvels series i really do i think that's it um sorry ms marvel series and the marvel uh the marvels as a sequel to captain marvel i think those will be very solid they got some new writers and director on board with that a couple new characters coming in and i think they'll be very solid but we're not here to talk about that we're here to talk about now episode four which I think is currently the best episode of the series. I think they've consecutively gotten better. And this episode went way darker than the prior episode. And, I mean, firstly, the animation department went absolutely bananas on this episode. Props to them. This episode was just completely mind-blowing visually. And I really think that this episode was like a 10 out of 10 for me. This was so good. The what-if question for this episode is what if Doctor Strange turned to magic and the mystic arts out of loss of love instead of loss of physical ability? Yeah, I think it's technically like, what if he lost his heart instead of his hand, something like that? Yes, that was the way they put it in the episode. Yep. We see in this universe, he is taking uh, Christine Palmer, Rachel McAdams, uh, got her voice back for this episode, on a drive that leads to the crash Instead of him by himself, distracted driving, they get rear-ended on the highway, and she dies in the crash, but he is alive and, and okay. And he then goes through a similar journey of, like, traveling the world, looking for a cure for his heartbreak, basically, and leads him to Kamartage, where he begins to learn the mystic arts. So he becomes a sorcerer, uh, all the same, but his main motivation is trying to regain the love that he lost instead of trying to regain his ability to use his hands. And so we see him once more becoming, you know, engrossed with the time stone. And instead of just using it to defeat Dormammu, which he does, he then uses it to try to bring Christine back. And so he uses some crazy time spell to go back and try to save her from that moment. But he does it repeatedly and we see a montage of it, but it's assumed that he does it, you know, probably thousands of times. And he just can't save her, like, no matter what he does. Like, he stops them from even, like, getting in the car, and they still die. Like, he takes her, like, way away from the place where the accident happens. She still dies. Like, no matter what he does, she still dies at that exact moment. And this is just, like, a heartbreaking montage to watch as he just fails to save his love over and over and over, no matter what he does. I mean, he's probably the most powerful Avenger that we know of at this point, him and Scarlet Witch. Like, he's traveling through time, he's doing insane stuff, and he's still not able to do the one thing that he's trying to do. It was just devastating to watch that. And it just, like, kept going on and on, too. It wasn't as if they just showed one or two alternates. They kept doing it and doing it and doing it, and it was just like, oh, man... The first couple times you're like, oh, well, maybe there's a hope if he does something else and it'll be good. Nope. Maybe if they don't get in the car, nope. And it's just like, they just keep hitting us over the head with this. Man, this poor guy is clearly just going crazy because, I don't know, Stephen Strange has a bit of an ego anyway and probably well-earned in both surgery and the mystic arts. Like, he's always the kind of person who, like, has a problem and is able to be the one to fix it. And this is just not happening for him. And not only is it like a problem, quote unquote, but it's literally like the love of his life just dying again and again and again, no matter what he does. And we end up learning that it's called a fixed point because him even getting access to this time stone in this timeline to be able to go back in time is dependent on the fact that he goes and learns the mystic arts, which is dependent on the fact that she dies. And so his reason for even having the time stone to begin with to go back in time is because she dies, and so it's just unable to be changed. You know, whereas something that happens on the other side of the planet that didn't directly lead to that, maybe that could have been changed with the time stone, something like that. But uh, this kind of sends him into a fit of rage because he's like, well, I need to figure out what the heck or how the heck to deal with a fixed point. He's like, someone must have been able to do it at some point. And he ends up going to this like really middle of nowhere giant library, which I think was a new location. I don't think of this spot somewhere that we have seen in the MCU before, but he meets up with this guy who brings him to kind of learn the lost art of changing a fixed point, which he's warned will lead to a paradox and make the whole universe unstable. And he's just like, nah, 
I got it anyway, or I don't even really care because I just have to save her. And um, he ends up learning that the way that he does this, the way that you're strong enough to change a fixed point in time is through just absorbing the essence of other beings. <laughs> the more powerful the, that you absorb, the more powerful you become to be able to do that. And so he just like... <laughs> goes for the biggest thing he can think of he makes a portal and summons like this giant tentacle which i'm pretty sure is the exact same one that was in the first episode with peggy captain carter which i don't know if that's a hint of things to come i think it might lead a bit of credence to the thought that i had of these things all being somewhat connected because clearly it was intentional to put the same tentacle monster there and um he's just not able to do it <laughs> he's too weak so instead he like starts small and absorbs a really small thing and then something a little bit bigger and something a little bit bigger and he's like kind of like the uh you remember that old kid's book there was a old lady who swallowed a fly <laughs> and then she swallows the uh the frog to get the fly and then she swallows something else to get that and then eventually she's swallowing a horse that was kind of what this reminded me of because he just like melts in through his face all of these different you know creatures getting bigger and bigger and bigger eventually until he ends up getting the giant tentacle monster and Every time he absorbs something new, his body changes and he takes on a bit of the essence of what that thing was. And you can see he's just going more and more insane and the need for power to fix this problem and kind of to get over his own guilt is just totally consuming him. And I know I skipped past a couple parts there, but this montage was like pretty frightening, even with it being animated. Uh, it's just like, man... At the beginning, you kind of understand him wanting to go back and, you know, change the way that events happened. But as it goes on and on, it's just like, this dude is seriously messed up <laughs> and just becoming more and more so. And the animation in this part is just absolutely crazy. Really well done. Yeah, I thought this part was excellent as well because of what you just said. Like, this is a character that we sympathize with, has a completely relatable motivation, just trying to regain the love that he lost and to just see how it turns him into complete madness so quickly is just heartbreaking like he like you said he's he is willing to do anything to try to reverse this absolute point even if it means destroying his own reality like the ancient one warns him and he doesn't care he is willing to do anything even if it involves like completely changing who he is like he starts absorbing all these creatures and you see, like you said, as he takes each one in, get it, will change his face or it'll give him the wings of the creature or something. And they'll go like back into his normal body. But you see that his form, like on the inside, is shifting. Like he physically changes as well. His face turns like more gaunt and narrow and he's got really shallow cheeks and just looks like he's been through hell. Like just dark bags under his eyes. And he just looks evil. And you can just see how the stuff that he's gotten himself into is taking such a huge toll on him. We do see a really cool moment also during this montage where he gets like a new cloak from one of the creatures that he kind of envelops. And I thought that was really cool how he just claims the cloak is his and then instantly obeys him. But yeah, he's absorbing this like giant tentacle monster after powering up to like over 9,000. And this character that led him into the library, Obeng, as he's dying, like reveals that there are actually two Doctor Stranges in this universe. And what we learn is that the Ancient One split the timeline, creating two Doctor Stranges. One who we've been following so far that has been consumed by his heartbreak and is turning super evil and absorbing all these creatures that become more and more and more powerful. And we have another version like the good version, basically, who's just been chilling with Wong this whole time. So the Ancient One appears to this other version of Strange, explains this all to him, and it's like, you gotta go stop yourself. Like, you're the only one strong enough to stop evil you. We then are led into this great Doctor Strange versus Doctor Strange showdown. Once again, animation department, hats off to you guys. Doctor Stranges both pull out a myriad of bells that just are always enjoyable to watch Doctor Strange fight because of just the endless list of things that he's able to do with the Mystic Arts. And this fight was no exception, with two of them just throwing tons of unique spells at each other with different interesting effects and, and engaging visual effects as well. This fight was just excellent all the way through and ended in a surprising way, Justin. Yeah, it almost gave me uh, Infinity War vibes, you know, where the bad guy looks insurmountable and then the good guys, you know, Doctor Strange here, kind of surprised out of nowhere, the good one just exists and is here, you know, just like in Infinity War when Thor lands down and is has his big arrival in Wakanda, you're like, ah, 
everyone's saved. We were worried for no reason. And then, uh, and the bad guy still wins, <laughs> which makes total sense in this scenario because they both started off as the same Doctor Strange and one of whom has spent seemingly decades, given how fast Obeng aged just over the course of the one uh, montage of the evil Doctor Strange. And uh, he's been doing it for like decades of charging up, basically leveling up by absorbing all these other creatures. He's got tons of XP. Versus just Doctor Strange, right? You know, so this is a much higher level. So it would, you know, make very little sense for regular Doctor Strange, vanilla Doctor Strange to win. And uh, yeah, he doesn't. <laughs> he uh, has a couple moments where he looks like he's going to pull out victory and then he just gets crushed and um, he gets absorbed as well into evil Doctor Strange, whatever we want to call him. Strange Supreme, I think, is his actual title. Strange strange Supreme. Bat Strange. He had, like, the, the wings and stuff. He wins and absorbs good Doctor Strange, and the whole last little bit of, oh, this little flash of hope is just gone. It's over just like that. I thought that was great, because I was about to do the biggest face palm ever if uh, regular Strange actually pulled that out, because I was like, the whole point of this was that he was leveling up like crazy, so... Not something you really expect to see in the MCU, and something that we don't see very often. I think, really, Infinity War is the only other situation where something like this has happened, and I thought it was great. It was something that I didn't expect heading into it, and uh, yeah, I think this is the perfect time to do it, which, given that there will be no, as far as we know, no long-term consequences of each individual what-if episode. Like, now is the perfect time for them to play with endings, and the good guys don't always have to win, um, because it won't have a lasting effect, even if the bad guys completely destroy the universe, which is ends up, what ends up happening here. <laughs> yeah? You want to go into a little detail on that? Oh, I thought you were going to continue, but yeah. Now that Supreme Strange has absorbed regular Doctor Strange, he's now powerful enough to reverse this absolute point, and he does it. And this results just in complete catastrophe. The breaking of the timeline uh, of an absolute point just turns the world into basically just hell getting slowly destroyed by the fabric of reality. And we see Strange like in his true form. And this is where all the bits of the creatures that he's absorbed are like attached to him. And he's just this grotesque like gargoyle of a creature. And he looked super creepy. But we see that he's brought Christine back to, I mean, he's brought her back. It was successful, but at an enormous cost. Like, she's just on this rock, basically, that's getting destroyed. And he's like, I did it. I saved you. She's like, what have you done? Like, you're destroying our universe. And he's like, I can fix it. Like, I, it was all for you. And it was just a super sad scene. He obviously immediately sees how his decisions have just ruined existence for everything in his universe. And he does some ultra magic and, like, tries to stop the universe from collapsing. But it's it's slowly, like, closing in around him. This was a really cool part, I thought, because he actually senses the Watcher out beyond the universe. This level of strange has gotten up to be so powerful that he can sense a being like the Watcher, even on a completely alternate plane of existence outside his own universe. And he calls out to the Watcher for help. He's like, please. He's like, I know I messed up. I deserve to be punished. But, like, save the rest of the universe, save Christine. Like, they don't deserve to pay for my sins, essentially. And this is the cool part, because the Watcher actually, like, leans into the universe as it's collapsing and interacts with Strange. He's like, listen, I could help. I really could, but I can't. It's not my place. Like, I cannot interfere. As much as I'd like to do what you're asking of me, I can't or won't either. And... Firstly, this is crazy to me for so many reasons. Firstly, he was just like, sorry, buddy, y'all gonna die and just left the universe to like implode on itself as a result of Strange's actions. And secondly, because he didn't say, I can't do that. Like, I'm not capable of helping you. He was like, I could, but I'm not allowed. So good luck with that. So the Watcher's power level just must be completely insane or he is actually not capable of doing that and just didn't say it. But either way, like, this scene kind of blew my mind a little bit. That the Watcher finally interacted with one of the characters in an episode. And I don't think it'll be the last time, but it was nice to see it finally happen. Episode 4 is a little bit sooner than I would have anticipated for a moment like this. But 
again, kind of blew my mind. Yeah, I mean, if there was a scenario where it would happen, it definitely was not going to be Captain Carter. <laughs> I don't know, as cool as that was, she is uh, clearly not on the level of Super Saiyan Strange. So, yeah, no, I thought it was cool. And, I mean, when episode one starts and the Watcher introduces himself and says, I cannot and will not interfere, like, the fact that they emphasize that so heavily means at some point he's going to interact with one of the universes sometime in the series. Um, otherwise they wouldn't have made such a big deal about that being his rule. So it wasn't a total surprise. Although I think, like you said, it happening this early. Um, although I guess it's not really early in the show at this point, you know, happening before like a finale was a bit of a surprise. Um, but yeah, no, I thought it was awesome and it added a lot of weight. I mean, to an already very weighty and very dark episode. So yeah, this was hands down, not even close my favorite episode so far. Yeah. I mean, with the exception of the first two they have gotten better, in my opinion, every single time. So I think three and four were just miles ahead of one and two. And I think especially this one did a, the best job possible of showing, like, what actually if this one difference, you know. It had the most believable continuation, and, like, it didn't take any crazy leaps in logic, but it also wasn't kind of just the same story with something new stapled on, or, like, a new character, um, which were kind of... Those were my two main issues with the first two episodes, and this was like, no, this, within the universe that we know, makes total sense that this would happen to this, happen to this, happen to this, and yet it ends up at this totally crazy, paradoxical, different outcome than, than what we see in the MCU. So, I thought this episode was as close to perfect as anyone could have hoped for, as especially as I could have hoped for out of the show. It leaves me really, really excited as to what can happen next. And I'm glad that they took some creative liberties with it, with, um, you know, not having the good guy come back and win, because even with the last three episodes, the good guy comes back and wins, and that's fine and everything. I mean, it's superheroes. That's kind of what happens, but if there was a time for them to take totally different angles, what if is it? And uh, this was the one that I think they did that the most and the best. So yeah, I'm really excited for the next couple episodes, and and still, like I had said, still after this one, no recurring characters other than the Watcher, so... Um, we'll see if there's anything to that or if it doesn't matter. They're running a bit out of characters to <laughs> to uh, to include, so someone will have to get doubled up at some point or they'll have to just you know keep finding new ones. But yeah, I don't have enough good things to say about this episode. And this one felt long too. Like one of the things we've said as a as a challenge is episodes seem to fly really quickly because they're so short. This one felt like it was like an hour long. I don't know if it was just because of the few montage scenes they had that seemed to take much longer than they actually did, but this episode kept me engrossed the whole time, and I just kept thinking, man, it's got to be close to done, but there's so much left. I thought it also, you know, out of all the episodes, made the best use out of all of the time. There wasn't any weird downtime, but there wasn't any moments that felt like it just sprinted through it, sacrificing, like, emotional beats or anything like that. So, a lot of praise for episode four. It really makes me nervous knowing that... <laughs> Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness is coming up at some point because <laughs> I'm like, man, they're aware of what they have in Doctor Strange in their hands. And, uh, you know, it wouldn't be too far fetched to see something kind of like this happen in like the canon regular MCU main timeline. So we'll see. But uh, things like this that make Hawkeye look extra useless. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know. Yeah, when Whatever. one of your characters is capable of destroying and then at the same time, like, single-handedly slowing the destruction of his own universe, like a guy who can shoot arrows really accurately, yeah, it does seem less useful, to put it kindly. But yeah, again, I, I totally agree with you. Episode 4, the standout of the show so far. I mean, the two montages, firstly, of him trying to save Christine was just incredible. And secondly, of him absorbing all these different creatures... While very stylistically different, the music for both was stellar. The animation for both was very well done. The fight between the both Doctor Strangers at the end was incredible to watch. And all again, allowed them to get real creative animation-wise. And just like you, I don't have enough good things to say about this episode. I, I just wish it were longer. This episode was everything that I wanted from this show. It capitalized, again, on the premise of taking a simple change and coming out with a drastically different outcome for characters that we already have attachments to and taking that up to like 11 with the evil version coming out on top and defeat not only that but defeating the good version of himself directly um, that was something we haven't seen before really ever we always see 
good guys fight bad guys that are versions of themselves, but slightly different. You know, that happens in so many Marvel movies, I can't even go through all the examples right now. But it was nice to see that kind of flipped on its head and for the inverse to happen. And so I think this has been the best execution of the what-if idea so far. And they knocked it out of the park. Yeah, that's actually a good point about MCU characters fighting, like, other versions of themselves. That was kind of the whole, like, first phase and a little bit more. I mean, Ant-Man and Yellow Jacket and Iron Man and Iron Monger, Iron Man and Whiplash, you know, even Captain America and Red Skull. Like, it's all of these, not literally the exact same person, but same power set, same you know, general idea, and typically they try to make it out like the villain is just like the hero, but a bit stronger, or way stronger, so the hero has to come up with some clever way to win, or just through sheer force of will win, when in a lot of cases it's like, well, if the other person is stronger, has better armor, has better abilities, realistically they would win, like, (laughs) moral authority isn't gonna necessarily help you in a fight, you know, even though they always have the good guy come out on top here, they're just like, nope. (laughs) And, uh, yeah, it's the first time we've seen the evil doppelganger actually pull one out. So, I like it. I want to see it more. 10 out of 10 for sure. Yeah, 10 out of 10 on episode 4 for me. I want this show to keep improving, but honestly, I don't know how they go up from here. They continue to impress with not only the animation, but the music. Just the quality of these episodes on the whole has been peak for me. And I hope there's... 10 seasons of this show because I believe there's only supposed to be nine episodes in season one. Originally it was supposed to be 10, but due to COVID, they, I don't think finished everything on time is what I read. And there's only supposed to be nine, but there is going to be a second season with also nine episodes. I would love to see a hundred episodes of this. This is just top tier stuff. Even the less interesting episodes, one and two, in my opinion, I think three and four have been better again. I think the less solid episodes have been nonetheless very entertaining to watch even the most simple what if which is basically again captain carter was like just captain america remixed like basically the exact same plot and story beats but that was still very entertaining to watch i thoroughly enjoyed watching it so they continue to improve with their quality of story in terms of actually having bigger effects on the overall outcome of whatever universe they're in with the little change they do and continuing to not be afraid to go dark with it i think this show could be destined for greatness yeah dare i say no i totally agree there's just so many things that give them so much more creative freedom in this the fact that they're supposedly one-off episodes and the fact that there's no like collateral carryover to the next one and the fact that it's animated it, it's just a perfect recipe for shenanigans and uh yeah, I thought this would have been, like, a perfect season finale, even. The fact that they did something this big and crazy for episode four. I mean, and this is... Episode three was crazy. Like, not to brush by that, either. But, obviously, episode three was not universe-ending. Just the fact that they had this as episode four kind of leaves me curious and just a little bit... <laughs> I don't know. I don't even know a word strong enough for curious that, uh anticipating what what is going to come in the next few episodes excited excited well even that's not uh, not big enough but i'm ready for the next few ones no we need like excited to the umpteenth degree yeah exactly so, yeah for sure yeah it'll be good and um i had something else i was gonna say and i totally forgot so it must not have been that important yeah you got all your thoughts out in that opening bit nothing else left to say well we do have a couple things to say and um we're not gonna say them now though because I just watched Shang-Chi, and it came out this past week, and you watched it too. And I we'll did. have to share our thoughts on that, and we will have to share our thoughts on Black Widow still, so maybe we'll do those both in one episode, or maybe we'll do one at a time. Who knows? We're still trying to figure out what the schedule exactly looks like. Uh, we appreciate everyone hanging in with us, but we will get to those reviews, even if they're condensed into one singular episode for both, or whatever that looks like. But um, Rapid Fire, what was your... 10-second thoughts on Shang-Chi, spoiler-free in case people hadn't seen it. Shang-Chi was a very enjoyable movie that has some flaws, great visuals, great soundtrack, great villain, and I think he's going to be a very welcome addition to the MCU moving forward. Took the words right out of my mouth. Not exactly that. 
obviously word for word, but I totally agree with that sentiment. And uh, thinking on it more, I think there have been a couple a couple flaws that I didn't see as that big of an issue when I first watched it, but I think would be more annoying on a rewatch, but not anything to like prevent it from being a totally great, really enjoyable movie, especially as an intro movie for, for a new character. So for me, I enjoyed it more than Black Widow. I will say that. Oh, definitely. And certainly one of the better origin Absolutely. stories, especially this late into the MCU, like introducing a completely brand new character for the first time since Captain Marvel. What? Doctor Strange? Yeah. I mean, or I guess Captain Marvel. Yeah, you're right. So maybe not as long ago as I originally thought, but even still introducing a new character after the Infinity Saga and clearly planning for them to have a, a significant role moving forward. I think they executed it very well. And I definitely agree with you. It was better than Black Widow, I think, is putting it mildly. But again, that's discussion for a different time. Just a bit um, of a tease. I'm planning to go see it <laughs> again coming soon and I'll be able to formulate my thoughts on it more clearly after repeat viewing. But yeah, upon first watch, definitely recommend going to see it. Yeah, I'm definitely watching it again, and um, I don't have an exact day when I'm going to do that, but uh, it'll be sooner than later, that's for sure. I had my one enjoyment watch, and now I can have my critical watch. <laughs> Although I can't help being a, I can't help being a bit critical during my enjoyment watch, and I exactly. am absolutely positive that I will not uh, not fail to enjoy it. All right, I'm positive. Yeah, I'm positive I will not fail to enjoy it in um, my critical watch as well. So they kind of blend together, but it's a movie, so that's what it is. And before before we go, Stephen, it was your birthday this past weekend. Happy birthday! Thanks, bud. Happy birthday. Appreciate that. Yeah, do you guys feeling uh, old? Yeah, you should. You're twenty six, dude. You're getting up there. I know. I'm ancient. Uh huh. You do you guys uh did something fun and celebrate? Yeah, I had a very full weekend, full of activities. Some celebratory, some against my will, but. All in all, <laughs> naturally, <laughs> yeah. All in all, a very successful weekend. Good, love to see it. Well, um, yeah, you'll always remember twenty-five as the year we started the podcast. So, in some sense, you've been doing this for a whole year. Yes, sir. <laughs> not, not actually, but <laughs> hey, not by any real mathematic uh, metric. But hey, I, well, if you say you did it from your age twenty-five to twenty-six, you know. It's not wrong. <laughs> technically correct. The but, best uh, kind of correct. Technically correct. But uh, yeah, happy birthday. And uh, excited to see see what we get to do in, uh, in this next year coming up. So yeah, everyone stay tuned. We'll, uh, as we're still ironing things out with the whole transition of me coming back and new shows starting. And now that movies are actually coming back out again, it's a bit less, uh, a bit less streamlined than it had been initially. But we are working on it behind the scenes, and um, things are coming together. So we will do our best to keep um, everyone updated a bit better. And we are still on the lookout for someone to help us out with branding slash social media presence. It's not like a top priority because this is mostly just mostly just for for fun. Um, but my uh, my plug just jumped out of the <laughs> just jumped out of the wall. But yeah. If anyone is interested, hit us up. And um, we've had a couple good suggestions for a song or for like a theme song ditty at the beginning. So uh, we'll have to test a couple of them out and see. My audio engineering skills are not nearly as good when it involves music as opposed to just voice editing and stuff. So we'll see how that goes. But um, we might have a couple leads there. So stay tuned. And uh, yeah, hopefully we'll have some cool stuff coming down the line. So I'm about to log off and go and watch episode five. <laughs> Yeah, well, having just seen it right before recording this, no spoilers, but I can't wait to talk about it on our next episode. That's all I'll say. We'll catch you guys next time. Peace! Peace.